Hello again, everybody. Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast, Season 1, Episode 4, just like that. I'm from the home office here in Whitby, Ontario, and Craig is on the road again, ladies and gentlemen, like BJ McCain is good friend bear. Remember that show from the 70s? Uh, you are not in Calgary, Craig. You are on the road. Is that a Picasso behind you? Hello, my friend. What's happening? Hello, I am on the road again. And you reference a 70s show. You're older than me, so I don't really uh, <laughs> understand some of those 70s references. But that's okay. You can send me. You no, know, we have this thing, the Google machine. I'll just Google. I'll go on the Google machine and find out what you're referencing. But yeah, back on the road again. Uh, you know, the beginning of the season, excitement there, but also excitement to be back in the studio for some shows. You know, we've done it really well uh, remotely, but. Always nice to be uh, in close proximity of, of everybody uh, when you're talking about the game of hockey. Give you some plugs uh, for your uh, TSN Studio 6 buddies in just a bit. So uh, Jerry Seinfeld, he did pretty well, pretty good comedian. Uh, I don't think there's a moment around the world where uh, Seinfeld is not on somewhere and Larry David's getting a check, Shazing keeps coming in. That was famously a show about nothing. Let's begin here as we head into season 105. NHL season 105 will be about blank. Let's talk about some of the blanks that you and I expect this season to be about. Yeah. Yeah. And when, when we think about entering the NHL season last season, you know, the uncertainty surrounding it, there's still a little bit of uncertainty. There's a little bit more certainty. And I think for the players back in their regular divisions, 82 games traveling and everything that goes with it. I think that the league has to be thrilled about starting the season without the specter of greater uncertainty. Not like I said, not like there's not some uncertainty, but uh, it's really good. So where do we start? Uh, It's a great question. We can start in in, in a lot of different places, but I know where I'm starting. I'm starting right in Tampa Bay. They just announced a contract extension for John Cooper. I mean, he, he, he's done an unbelievable job since being named head coach in 2013. And here he is now. Uh, the coach of the back-to-back Stanley Cup champ. And think about two very different seasons. You talk about coaching, Steve, and we can discuss, you know, X's and O's. Why don't we look at a couple of situations? You know, they make those trades, significant trades to get Blake Coleman, Barkley Goudreau, the bad taste of the 2019 sweep to the Columbus Blue Jackets. It's still in their mouths. They can't get it out of there. And the season stops, March 2020. And now they have to ramp up. They get back to return to play. They go to the bubble. They go to the bubble first in Toronto, and they fly over to Edmonton. They finish it off with the Stanley Cup. No Steven Stamkos, albeit for about five minutes, scored a goal, not bad. But, you know, they win the Stanley Think about those circumstances and what John Cooper did. Then it, it, it's not normal. It's an abnormal offseason. It's an abnormal beginning to a season. It's a different division. Every, and he doesn't have Kucherov. He doesn't have Hedman for a little bit of the stretch. What does he do? Comes back and wins another Stanley Cup. So it's not just the access and O's. John is an outstanding coach. But think about all the different things he had to manage to get his team prepared, to compete at the highest level, and ultimately win. You know, so now he doesn't have a third line that he was pretty comfortable with, Goudreau, Coleman, and Gord. It'll be fascinating to watch the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. They got the best goalie in the league, in my opinion. Their defense is excellent. Their first two lines return intact. And... John Cooper's a, a tremendous coach. We talked about this last week. I'm not so sure that uh, I would uh, take uh, Tampa Bay versus the field, if 
But I will say this, and this is ultimate sitting on the fence. I'm not betting against them. <laughs> I love the roster still. And when they were gutted and lost, Tyler Johnson, who looks like he's playing with the Brinkett and Kane in Chicago, and they're going to go Johnson, Taves. Thank God Taves is back. Saw a news conference over the weekend. And I watched the game. He scored two goals. The first one was a lucky in front of the net shot. Then the tip was good. And he smiled. Then he, he smiled. And I was so happy for him. Uh, and Doc on the third line. But here left to right, Palat, Point, and Kucherov. Maybe the best line in the league or one of the best. You don't have to have the best line. You need to have among the best lines. Kalorn, Sorelli, and Joseph. Perry, Colton, and Stamkos. That's how they're rejigging, losing the line that carried them and helped score some clutch goals. You talk about the goalie and the defense. I think the hockey world looks at this and goes, hang on, hang on. Whoa, camel. Whoa, camel. They lost those guys. And I look at this roster and Hedman and the defense. And are they still, they can't still be, you can't lose four guys. But the answer, I think we, we're both saying yes. And if they're not number one in the division, they're at least two. Let's just say they finish two and they get Boston or Toronto in a first round matchup. Then maybe we're destined for the Sunshine State showdown anyway, which Tampa is at least 50 50, which means they're so they're they're in the mix. Like they're, they're Daniel Negrano. They're going to be at the table. They're going to be the final table almost because they're that good. They're talented. They, they play with passion, skill, grit now. There's so much to like. It's almost as if we're only betting against the law of averages. If you flip a coin, Craig, 10 times, and it's heads every time, are the odds any less on the 11th flip? It's not 50-50? Yes, it is. It is less? Yes, it is. Okay, so. Because now, because you already have to do it. I've had this discussion <laughs> with a lot of people all the time. I, have, I, I mean, my, uh, I have an economics, international finance degree. I mean, advanced statistics, econometrics, you know, all part of it, right? So, yeah. So, it, it's not just flipping the coin. It's flipping the coin that for the 11th consecutive time that you're going to get heads. So the odds do, it's not 50-50 at that point in time. So the odds for Tampa three-peat are just less, even if they brought back the exact same team from last year. Well, I don't know if you, if, if we're using flip a coin, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just talking about the, the coin flip theory. Anyway, here's the other thing about John Cooper. So you just mentioned, okay, so talk about Stamkos moving to the third line. Joseph moving up there. Everybody talk, what are they going to do without their third line? What third line? They still have a third line. It's going to be a different third line. And that's the thing about John Cooper. He's not trying to say, oh, we have to have this type of third line. He's going, what type, what, what's our playing personnel look like? So how can, we, how can we form a third line that gives us an advantage? It's like, where do you find Goodrow, Coleman, and, and Gord? Where do you find those guys? So you're going to try to put three different players in there to do the same thing that might not be very good? I love the fact right away that John Cooper's looking at this and going, I'm going to have a different look. I'm going to look at this. I'm, uh, you know, everybody says, see, one of the things I hate, you know, is everybody talks copycat league, copycat league, copycat league, right? I remember back in 07. I was younger then, Steve. Hair was a little bit darker. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, long story short, the Anaheim Ducks beat the Detroit Red Wings in the conference semifinal. And Brian Burke said after that, and they ultimately won, oh, this is the way the league's going big and strong and rugged hockey. Kenny Holland said, I'm not so sure. I like my team. I'm not changing my team just because we lost to the Anaheim Ducks in conference semifinal. The Red Wings won the Stanley Cup in 08. Have we heard from the Anaheim Ducks since? Not even close. 
So Ken Holland's not trying to play the copycat game. John Cooper's not playing the copycat game either. So at the top, I like that story because uh, we know the Wings were in the final in 08 and 09, and they could have won both, and they won one of them, and, you know, the flurry save and everything. Let's stay at the top of the mountain then. You know, our Seinfeld season about, you say, Tampa. So let's throw in the other, I mean, tier one. You know, when we ask somebody where a, this guy is as a goalie, oh, he's one of the best. Well, hang on a second. You just named 14 goalies. That means you're into the second tier, third tier. They're, they're, I, I know in theory there's 32 first-line centers, but how many are, are elite that we consider no franchise? You know, in theory there's 32, but there's not. Like Toronto has two. Edmonton has two. Pittsburgh, when they're healthy, has two, as an example. So in the elite group, are we talking Tampa, Florida, Islanders, Vegas, Colorado. Is that the Fab Five? Like real, or, or are there less? Like winning the cup, you brought it up. The season's about, you brought Tampa. I'm going to bring out the other main serious come to the dance. Whoa, sharp dressed man, suit, shoes, hair, slick back like Craig in 07, your hair. How many are that well-dressed that could honestly win? Am I leaving anybody out or I'm adding too many teams? I have four teams in that elite category. Okay. And the two Florida teams, I, I, I think the Florida Panthers are really, really good. Okay. And, you know, so that's, I think the Islanders are really, really good. And I think the Colorado Avalanche are really, really good. I'm not buying. If, if You know what? If Vegas was in Missouri, it'd be perfect because I could say they're from the show me state. You know what? Not buying Vegas. No, I, I have them a notch below. I have the Vegas Golden Knights with the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, and I have, and I think the Winnipeg Jets are better than the Vegas Golden Knights. Oh, there you go. Oh, everybody wants to fall in love with the Vegas Golden Knights. You know what? For consecutive playoffs, they haven't figured out what it takes to win. They nearly lost to the Minnesota Wild because Minnesota played them hard and played them. And as and as the competition got better, it got harder for Vegas. Everybody thought, oh yeah, Vegas is going to wipe through Montreal. No, they're not. No, they're not. It's like, oh, they're going to wipe through Vancouver. They had to go seven games versus Vancouver the year before. They, they, they couldn't beat the Dallas Stars. Not buying. Not buying. I'm not putting my chips down in Vegas on the Golden Knights. Not doing it. They need to show me a lot more. Everybody else can fall in love with them. I'm not. I'm not in love with them, but I like oh, yeah, them. And I think I might call them and ask them out for a date or dinner because they're going to win the division. They're going to get as favorable a matchup. I believe, and you might say, well, what if they play Minnesota again in the, in the, in the, in the one wild card two game? And, and, and I get you, I get you, but I believe the division will be won by Vegas and I cannot see them losing in the first round. Or maybe I'm really saying if I'm taking them, I hope they don't lose in the first round. There's a difference. You sound like all the people that said, oh, Montreal's going to get wiped out by the Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs. You, you just give them the division. Oh, okay. That's great. Okay, you give them the division. I am. I am. Okay, well, I'm not. <laughs> right I'm not there. They got to show down. me. They've made some, you know, they don't have Marc-Andre Fleury. Where would they have been last year without Marc-Andre Fleury? Big, I shouldn't say big trouble. That's an exaggeration. They would have been in trouble. Yeah. We're talking about the Vezina Trophy winner. He's gone. You know, gone. You know what? Tucks out. They're center ice. You know, until they show me that they can play a style of game that can have success when the resistance is fiercely strong and fiercely hard. Sorry, I'm not in on Vegas. Topic point. Our Seinfeld conversation here. Cool button, uncensored hockey podcast. No Vegas for me. 
Vegas wins the division, and then they got to show me in the show me state if they play St. Louis in the first round. Uh, although I don't think St. Louis will fall that far, but who knows? So blank effect rule 69 will have on the season. Blank effect. I got to take a step back here. Okay. Like We're, we're just going to gloss over what I said about the Winnipeg Jets? No. <laughs> I have the Jets at two as well in the next well, no, wait a year. I, the I, next I have them ahead of the Vegas Golden Knights. I think they're right on the cusp of that uh, Stanley Cup contending. I think they're right on the cusp and ahead of Vegas. And you're going to go to Rule 69? Hang Whoa, on a mister. Okay, okay. Yosemite Sam backs it up here. Beep, beep, beep. Okay, so I'll say this. There's no way Winnipeg in the overall standings in that division is finishing ahead of Vegas. I will make another wager. They're not in Vegas's division. They're in Colorado's division. I know. So how is Winnipeg going to finish second? I just said, but I think they can beat Colorado. Like it's not about where they're going to finish in the division. It's well, you said where, well, who's better. And I'm saying there's no way in the standings. Winnipeg will finish higher. Vegas will eat the California teams that they play a a larger portion of their games against. I don't disagree with any of that. I I don't care. I don't care. We're not talking about who they're going to. I'm talking about, I just said, I think the Winnipeg Jets are the fifth best Stanley cup contending team. Fifth best. You I want to go to Rule 69. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll pause Rule 69, Mr. Walker. You know what I say? Delay okay. a game on you, Mr. Coolius. Delay <laughs> a game. <laughs> go over glass. Okay, is Winnipeg the fifth best team by themselves? Is Carolina there? Is Toronto there? Is Edmonton Anybody can there? go there and make any other case. You can make a case for Vegas. Uh, you can make a case for the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, Toronto's third in their division, as I see it, right? You know, Florida, Tampa Bay, we talked about it. I think the Winnipeg Jets have all the elements. They got a great goalie. They got great forwards. I mean, they're, they're, those forwards, and and they're not just they're not just skilled. They're they're big. They're powerful. The the additions of Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt, really solid additions. We saw the emergence of Logan Stanley last year, and Kevin Dayoff can evaluate his team and see as time goes on, the season unfolds. Hey, what do I need? What do I need to bolster my team? They got lots of good prospects. You know, and I think I think they're right there on the cusp. I do. I think that they're a team that people are not paying attention to, perhaps as much as me. And I'm not saying that Vegas or Carolina or the Toronto Maple Leafs can't be put in the conversation. I have Winnipeg ahead of them all. Okay. Well, I don't have Winnipeg ahead of Vegas as an example. So I've got five in that group. You have four, and then you've got Winnipeg that you like more. And it'd be great if they met each other in the playoffs again. And there is a lot to like, like about the Jets, and we both agreed last week we have them at two. The problem with the Jets, and Edmonton has a similar problem, but you like Edmonton probably better going up against Vegas if that's a second-round matchup. Then I uh, look at Winnipeg and say it's the Colorado factor, right? It's the Colorado factor. And if we're looking at Tampa and how good they are in the East and Florida and the Islanders, then the Avs, almost by default, unless you're putting Winnipeg ahead of Colorado in a second round matchup. I love the abs the most. And as I sit here today are probably Virginia, my Stanley cup favorite. If I had to say, I'm going to pick someone, I'm going to pick Colorado for a lot of different reasons. And if Kemper is an upgrade, Darcy Kemper is going to, do you think Darcy Kemper is a household name? Like not for me and no. you and he's not, but he has a chance to, you know, really make a statement this year. The Avs do a lot of good things defensively, as did Arizona, but the difference is Colorado can score. 
So I like Colorado a lot. If it is Winnipeg, Colorado, second round matchup, this is like the Oilers and Flames and the Smythe. That's, that's a great comparable, and that's where we might be. Now Winnipeg beats Colorado, and Colorado still is, okay, now we're in a we're rarefied air, right? We're rarefied air. Here we go. Um, and you would love that because then if Winnipeg plays Vegas, then you'd say this is the matchup we've talked about. But we're getting excited about the real, real contenders and then slightly tier twos. Yeah, exactly. And so it, 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 if it's Tampa Bay, Florida, Florida, Tampa Bay, Colorado, yeah. Winnipeg, which I told you, think about that. If they all, if they both finish, if both in those divisions finish one, two, two, one, however you want to do it. That means two of the teams that I have in my top five will be out after the second round at, at, at the latest. So, you know, so do, do you want me to go to, why don't we have one to eight? Why oh. don't we have some of our best teams playing? Why don't we go? <laughs> and you know what, Steve, like uh, it, 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 to me, tournament play is always about, you know, when the NCAA does their March madness, and they and they rank the teams, and yeah. the number one seed is always set up to play the two seed in the regional final if it all unfolds that way. And then the the, the top seeds are supposed to get to the uh, to the final four. I don't understand why we don't do that in hockey. I don't get it. I've asked Gary about it on the show numerous times, uh, even Bill, and I respectfully have said, Mister Bettman, I disagree. He said, "Don't you love the playoffs? Don't you love the first round?" I said. The playoffs would be great under any format, basically. It's about getting the best matchups and rewarding teams. for. If the 1,271 regular season games are so important, then we stack. Even in baseball, I heard my buddy Dan Schulman say, how could the playoffs work where in the next round, the one and two team in a league would play each other and any, no, you must go one, but even the IIHF copied us again. You must go one eight. You must, you can't have a one, two, and then a seven, eight over here. It can't work like that. You must reward top to bottom. And, and as I've talked about before that, let's say you get down to four teams left for the Stanley cup. And let's just say it works out that the Gretzky Oilers and the, uh, and the Calgary flames with Joel Otto are one, two in the league. And over here, you had two upsets. Montreal and the Islanders reseed one, four, two, three. So the Oilers and flames could play in the cup final. Why do you want to sweep in the cup final? Why would Colorado play Florida when Colorado can play Pittsburgh? That's an example of saying it doesn't guarantee victories, but it makes you feel when you get to the IAHF and we go to the Olympics and we're down to four teams, they will seed the four teams so Canada and Russia doesn't play in the semifinal and Latvia, Kazakhstan play each other. No, it's one, four, two, three. That's the best for hockey. I don't like the wild card format. I don't even know why we got onto this tangent. I've got a few tangents today. Uh, please, Gary, switch it before puck drop. Yeah, okay, but think about, think about this, Steve, okay? And you're right about the IHF. They made the modifications. So like going into a quarterfinal, it, you know, the two divisions or however they have it done, it's one, one eight or one four or two, three, and then, then they recede so that they do get that. So let me ask you this, Mr. Coolius, what happened last year in the Stanley cup playoffs, the Montreal Canadians for the first time in their history, won the Campbell conference trophy. How does that happen? Oh, they went and played Vegas. Oh, because of the way we had to modify and, and, and adjust to the conditions that the league was under last year, right? Different divisions, right? They receded, they receded and they went into the Stanley cup uh, uh, semifinals. And they receded one played four, two played three, right? So 
bottom line is you did it. <laughs> it's been done. So let's, to your point, let's get our best teams playing when it matters the most. And the first round to your point is going to be fantastic. No matter who's playing who, because yeah. it's, it's fresh and everybody's like got all the energy and let's go. So that's what I think. So anyway, there we go. Now I got you all, all fired up. The, he, 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 he started this off with bits and pieces, a show about nothing. There is no possible way that we can have a show about nothing when Mr. Steve Coolius is here, because if there's anything, he's not a fence sitter and he's not about nothing. Let me dip my hand into the bits and bites. Remember that commercial? You pull your hand up. It's a different snack every time. That was in the 70s while you were in grade school, <laughs> apparently, because you don't remember B.J. McCare. One of the best theme songs be rolling down to Dallas. The wheels provide my palace off to New Orleans or who knows where. Anyway, it was a great show. So uh, a mini rant right here. Okay. The glove pass. It's gone. It's a dodo bird. It doesn't matter. Craig Button shoots the puck. I put my, I put my uh, glove in front of my face. It bounces to Chris Clark and he scores. Nope, nope, no. We can't have that. Why? But the, the glove pass has got to go. Goal celebrations. We score a goal. Everyone goes by the bench. And what is this, minor hockey? They're 10 years old, for God. Like, a, do we still, how about a celebration? We hug each other and we line up back at center ice. It scores, not score. You know, the line, button, scores. Craig Button, not, Danny Galvin and Foster Hewitt are rolling around in their graves right now. And I love this about official. Uh, in a preseason game, a guy had a breakaway. And it was stick on stick. And the ref, he, he went like this, stick. He gave the motion and let the fans and broadcasters know that was a great defensive play. Stick on stick. We went to the replay. It was stick on stick. And I said, Stephen, welcome. That's, imagine if a guy takes a dive. And I mean, we, I might not want a dive signal, but a ref shake and said, no, I saw it. No, I love that engagement. We're, we're about information. And the ref goes, no, stick on stick. I think it was Kelly Sutherland. Stick on stick. Oh, Craig, I liked it. And listening to the, the Leaf 24-7 special, there's another game we don't hear about. I don't know if we can have another channel, parental control. There's a lot of swearing or whatever. Um, too much swearing? Okay. No, it's not so much about swearing. It's just like, you, you know, one of the things that's, that, that we have to consider, it's, it, it, I, I totally get, get where, hey, listen, The Sopranos was a great show, right? <laughs> like, yes. and, and, and you could choose to watch it or not. Nobody forced you to watch it, right? I, and, and, and do I think that you could have a, 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 a kind of an open broadcast where you know the the hyperbolic mics are there and you can't capture everything yeah you you would charge a lot more money it would be something and what kind of sponsors would be involved and i think that you know what one of the big things with leagues now and it's not just the national hockey league it's like you know it's brandy what do you want your brand to be you know when you're the sopranos it is about organized crime and it is about <laughs> everything right yeah. the national hockey league and you know we can use the example of the sopranos but different branding for the NHL. So that would be, I, I, I think it would be fun. I, I, I mean, you've been around it. I've been around it, but at the same time, you know, I don't, I don't know if they want that uh, associated with their branding. It is so know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, Bruce Boudreaux didn't like himself after watching and John Tortorella uh, fans and hockey people love it. We'll, we'll never be inside an NHL dressing room unless they put us inside the dressing room and to see they're actually just, very talented, bigger kids is what it is. So you talk about celebrations, right? So if we say they're just bigger kids, let them celebrate, Steve. What's wrong with celebrating? They, 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 you talk about it all the time. The hardest thing to do in the game is score goals. We get an average of five a game. 
and, and now let's take that away. Let's not celebrate that, right? Like, Steve, do you remember back in the 70s, the 80s, guy would score a goal. It was an important goal. Everybody came off the bench. Yes, I do. Like, everybody came off the bench. Hey, well, boy, that's a big goal. Or he just scored. Like, we got we to gotta come off the bench and cheer him. Didn't happen every goal. But listen, let them celebrate. You know, it's, it, it's the joyful enthusiasm of accomplishment. And when the hardest thing to do is score a goal, I, I want him to celebrate. I, I want to see Ty Domi riding a stick. Give it to me. I want, I want to see Tiger Williams. I want to see the Mike Felino jump. Bring it out. All right. You, you got me. I'll, I'll allow the, the fist pump at the bench to continue. So, but I'm not capitulating on the other topics. Okay. So now blank as it relates to cross-checking, how will it play out and how will we in the media, right? You're a media guy now, Craig, for a long time. How do we massage a, uh, I wouldn't have called that one, but it's a way of learning the rule and moving forward and making the game, getting us from five goals to six or maybe seven, because there's more legitimate legal space in front of the nets. Yeah. Well, you're talking about the space and, and, and it's about, get, you know, when you gain that space, you shouldn't have to, you know, be vulnerable to losing it because somebody breaks the rules. And that's what the, you know, that's ultimately what ends up happening. Right. So, uh, you know, the league is, is, is serious. And, and, you know, I, I was watching the Anaheim LA game on Saturday night and there was two cross-checking penalties uh, at, at the same time. Uh, Arthur Kaliev got a cross-checking penalty for cross-checking uh, Adam Henrique. And then Brendan Lemieux got a cross-checking, but two different types of cross-checking. But ultimately uh, Anaheim went on a five on three power play and tied the game. And ultimately they won it in overtime. But that being said, so, I've, I've been at a number of games now where the cross-checking, like it's going to be enforced. There's a, there is a real emphasis on the standard being pushed higher. And I've seen it. I've seen the cross-checks in front of the net, the cross-checks along the boards, the cross-checks up at the blue line, cross-checks trying to establish some space for yourself, trying to take somebody out of it. Like, and, and, and I guess it's like anything else, Steve, go back to 05. Was there a lot of skepticism about will they keep calling the interference? Well, right there, there was. And so, you know, right now it's the, the league and, and they have to show that, hey, we're, we're going to do that. But I have no doubt that they're serious about that. You ask now from the broadcasting point of view. So what I would suggest to anybody that wants to understand the rule, Jim Fox of the LA Kings broadcast here and I, he, he, he came on, he said, I'm not so sure that was a cross check on Kaliev. Then they showed the replay. Number one thing, Jim Fox says, I was absolutely wrong. It's a cross check. And here's why good for he Jim. He talked about extending the arms and using force. And that, that, that's how it's like going to the NHL, NHL.com NHL media site has video examples. <laughs> they have explanations of how the cross checking is going to be. Tom Masters, who you know works in the uh, NHL hockey ops office, great guy. He, he and Stephen Walkham have worked on the video rule book. It's there. So what I would say to everybody: go and avail yourself of it, and and understand how the penalty is going to be called in different areas of the rink. I thought Jim Fox did a phenomenal job. Just in hey, there's nothing wrong. You get one look at it. We all do, right? The referees only get one look at it. Jim said I was wrong. They were right, and here's why. Perfect. If you were managing right now. What would you do? And I'm using Sheldon Keefe because I just watched the, the documentary. I went in with yeah. low expectations. I thought it was very entertaining. I can't believe they actually left in as much as they, as they did. I felt sorry for Jimmy Vesey 
that's the human element of being put on waivers. And then his nameplate comes down from the stall in the dressing room. Um, actually, as you watch it, whether you like the Leafs or not, you kind of feel sorry for them. And then Tavares thing makes you sick to your, it was, it's good television. You know, I used to be a TV guy. I, I know what good television is. I think so. And I see it and I think it's, wow. Would you address as the manager, uh, you know, say you're the manager of the Baltimore radios and you bring your team down and say, guys, we're going over cross-checking. Like, would you address it? How would you handle that to be able to say, well, I didn't know, or because sometimes you think things slip through the cracks in businesses and offices and families. Oh, I thought you got it. You got, no, I didn't. Oh, two outfielders let a ball drop. How would you handle that having been a former manager? Well, you know, NHL teams have brought uh, officials to their, to their training camps to, to, to come in and work with the players, you know, slashing on the hands, you know, and, you know, getting, getting the stick into the hands and, and, you know, officials to try to help the players, you know, in the course of preparing for a season to understand the rule better. I, I think it's a, that, that's just one idea. The manager isn't involved on the ice. In my view, the manager should stay out of these types of things. Oh, really? No, no, no. It, it, on the, it, it, it's the coach. Hey, listen, the emphasis has to be the coaching staff. Okay. What are we doing to make sure our players, you know, have uh, a, a, the best understanding possible of the rule. And then you have to let the coach, because he's in the, he, he's in the firing line on the ice with the, with the referees. He wants, Steve, let me ask you this. You've watched a lot, a lot of hockey games in over the course of, uh, of your life. Have you ever seen a player go to the penalty box and be really happy and go, yep, that was a penalty. You, you just talked about Kelly Sutherland said stick on ice. Does the player go, you know what, Mr. Sutherland, that was a great call. Thank you very much for Never. catching me. And I'll just go happily serve my two minutes. Never. They always go in angry and they were unjustly penalized. Yeah. So you know, one of the things is, is just like, you know, I think the emphasis, like if, if you want to be a team that's going to complain, there's going to be legitimate complaints over the course of a game over the course of the season. I think you got to let the coaching staff deal with it. But the emphasis that I would put on it is, listen, we don't want to be known as a team that's just going to incessantly uh, complain it's incessantly because what ends up happening is you ultimately end up losing. You ultimately end up losing. You know, oh, here they go again. Here they go again. Here they go again. You know, and then, you know, and then something serious, serious happens. Right. And the, you, you're like, hey, you know, and like it's the referees are the best. Officials are, are the best. They know they, they understand that they're going to hear lots. But at the yeah. end of at the end of it all, Steve, you know what? You, you emphasize how we're going to act, how we're going to carry on as a team. You got to let the coaches deal with that, the video coaches and make them work with it. That's good. That's good. I, 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 I didn't think that was going to be your answer. So if I didn't, I'm sure the listeners didn't either. Uh, episode four, cool, but an uncensored hockey podcast. Still with the rules as it relates to the contenders, then the pretenders. Does the crackdown hurt? I'll just use a team. The Islanders more and help a team like the Leafs more. You just, like who might it hurt? Like Montreal, when they had the big four, we'd argue the cross-checking crackdown would hurt. Weber and Petrie and Sherratt and company in, in theory, because they used it to their benefit last year or to just teams adjust and say, Scott Stevens would still be great under this system. Don't worry. They took away his shoulder to head. They took away his cross check. He'd still be great. So it's one team more in trouble to slide down and another team. We not, might not be thinking about the Dallas stars. Oh, this will be great for them moving up. If this is called a certain way, 
Can we can we kind of define that? Well, he, I, I'll, I'll say this until the end of time. The players are really smart. Uh, they're exceptionally smart. They know what the standards are. They know what they can get away with. They know where the line is. Sometimes they get a little bit over it, but they know that line. And again, when we talk about the standards, Steve, remember the players adjust to the standard. And if we lower the standard, well, guess what? The, if you're allowed to drive 110, you're going to probably drive 118 on the highway, right? If they lower, what happens when, when you come across and you see the speed limit at 100, okay, I can go, let's just say 115. Now you see it's 90. You're still going 115? No, you're not. You just you're adjust. probably going 105 at that point or 103, right? And it's the same thing with the players. The players adjust to the standard, and they're, they are. They're exceptionally smart. They know it. They know what it is. So when you ask me about a team and everything, so let's just look at the Montreal Canadiens, New York Islanders, for example. I look at their team. They got smart players. They got players that can get themselves in the right position. See, the emphasis now is going to be on making sure you don't get yourself in a vulnerable position where you have to extend your stick, right? Like, you know, like once, once they said, we're going to crack down on the, on the sticks to the hands players said, well, I, I, I better make sure I don't get behind the player. I better make, they used it as a weapon, as a tool to check. They use cross-checking as a weapon. Adam Pellick and Ryan Pulock, and they're good defensemen. They're going to be just fine because they're well-coached. They're smart players. Ben Sherratt, Jeff Petrie, Joel, Ed, they were just using it. They just had a tool in their toolbox that they could use. So they can't use it anymore. They're still good defensemen. They're still going to be able to put, and if you're not in good position to answer your question, guess what? You, that means you've been taken advantage of. And, and if that means that there's more space and more opportunity to score, it's no different than the slashing on the hands. Don't get yourself in the wrong position. And you'll be fine. Get yourself in the wrong position. Now, there's no forgiveness. Two teams I'm concerned for, the Penguins and the Capitals. We're going into year 16 of the Crosby-Ovechkin era. Ovi's 36, Crosby's 34. And there's some health issues on both teams. The wheel turns, like the song says. Father time. There'll be time when the Penguins and Capitals are back to where they were before Ovechkin and Crosby. If you look at the standings, I think in 03-04, you'll see some teams at the bottom that all eventually came out of the lockout and won the Stanley Cup. Some for the second and third or fourth or fifth or first times. Are they where I think that they are now that the wheel is turned and there's trouble? Or is it like, you know, you're at the cottage. You got to brush your teeth the last Sunday before you go home. You squeeze the toothpaste and there's enough in there to make sure that your breath is fresh and you're smiling and showing me the pearly whites. Where are we at? Those two teams, sexy teams. What runs for the players and the teams has the wheel turned? I, honestly, I sit here and I think about it and you start off talking about the, the Crosby Ovechkin era. So they came into the league in 05. It, it, it's been an era of just like what I would call unprecedented brilliance that has shown no signs of dissipating. <laughs> Think about that, Steve. 16 seasons. I mean, coming out of a lockout and what Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin not only did for the respective teams, but the league, right? And I don't see, I mean, obviously Alex is older and Sidney's hurt. He had the wrist surgery, but Nick Lidstrom won a Norris Trophy in his 40s. Do I think Crosby and Ovechkin 
are the same player today that they were five years ago? No, but do I see them still as real top end players? Yes. So now we're the question marks for, for those two teams. I think the question marks are, are not okay. So we can look at Malkin and Crosby and we can look at Ovechkin and Backstrom and look at a little bit older, but like goaltending in Washington, goaltending in Washington, Samsonov had his issues last year with, with, with respect. They, they, they were, and they ended up getting Vanacek back and, you know, they lost in the Seattle traded back for him and, and away they go still a question mark. And, you know, you have Kuznetsov. Kuznetsov was awful last year. There's no other way to put it. Like way, he can't play like that. And in, in the caps, Tristan Jari, who's shown a capability to be a good goaltender. He, yeah. he was subpar last year. He capsized in the playoffs. So when I look at the teams and the composition of the teams, yeah, it goes without saying that health is going to matter. But I, I think the critical areas of their team, Kuznetsov and goaltending in Washington, goaltending in Pittsburgh. If they can get those things sorted, I think Kuznetsov can fight. Just because you have one bad year doesn't mean you're going to have two. And now they got to find that both of them, I think, to me, have to find the goaltending level to compete at the high level. That's what I think. That's how I see it. And yeah. you know what? Let's keep celebrating Ovechkin and Crosby. Let's keep it because I'll tell you what, I still think Ovechkin is going to set the all time goal scoring record. I think yeah. he will break Mr. Gretzky's 894. Yeah, he's going to keep playing until he can. And people say, well, he needs 30 or 35. Well, what if it's 28 and he plays till he's 42? So I'm with you on that. If it is Islanders. Can I just say one thing quick? Do you know what pace Alexander Ovechkin was on last year? 44 goal pace. Yeah. So okay, in a bad so, year, what people said, we, uh, oh, it was, no, but he was on a 44 goal pace. So now I hear this. I hear the same thing you hear. Oh, well, you'll have to average 30 goals a season. I, I Yeah. Okay. So, so he'll just have to drop 33% and average that. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that he'll be like, I think like when I say that I, I said it two years ago, I think he's going to break the record. He's got skill around him and he's determined. If it does go Islanders one, Carolina two, maybe the Rangers three, Devils seven, Columbus eight, Flyers, oh, goaltending Hart, Vanacek and Samsonov, Jari. We could see the Crosby Ovechkin era of those teams. Say Philly's four and the Rangers are three. And the Crosby Ovechkin teams aren't as good as. Boston on the other side, and it goes Florida teams, Toronto, Boston. We could see them both out, and Boston's lost Rask. They always talk about goaltending. I watched the cup final, and you and I are texting each other, and I got Vasilevsky and Price. Hmm. Eighth round picks, ninth round picks, like Henrik Lundqvist, uh, out of the blue, like Pecorini. No identified by the teams as franchise goalies and they pick them. We talked this great game about goaltending Mark Andre Fleury. I think he went high in the draft. I mean, if memory serves correct, you know, I think Brodeur was pretty good. I, I, you know me, I, I, I don't have a good recall, Craig, but then it comes to the draft and I see passing. I see, I see things that I thought, Oh, I guess goal to, we talked the goaltending game. But don't walk the goaltending walk. Why is that? Here, let me just tell you this. Varlamov was the other first-round pick in the final four teams playing. Okay. Yeah. So, Steve, what I'm going to tell you is, hmm, let me just see. Two goalies were drafted in the first round last year. Detroit drafted Kosa and the Minnesota Wild drafted Wallstead. The year before, Askarov was drafted in the first round. The year before that, Spencer Knight was drafted in the first round. Who, who, uh, I think the NHL teams are not paying attention to all the uh, outside noise. 
You know what it is? It's people that don't know, for the most part, talking about things that they think they know about and they really don't. You know what I call experts without expertise? Oh. Okay. Like, you know, so go ahead. C carry on like that, right? Like, you know, you know, you know how many, you know, there's been first overall defensemen that never played in the league and that weren't very good. Do you know there's been centers and winger and le uh, a left winger or a right winger that, that, that were drafted high that didn't play in the league? I know there's only one, two spots for a goaltender and you can only have one at a time, right? But so we're, we're not going to draft a defenseman because he didn't turn out. Like, you know, so now, oh, we can't draft a goaltender. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Yes, you can. And let me just tell you this. The NHL teams are drafting goalies in the first round. I just gave you evidence of four in the last three drafts. Trust me. Okay. I don't know. I hear all the same noise you do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's keep talking. Do we want to give our cup winner? Cause next time we chat, we will have started. So I kind of already said Colorado. I'm, I'm going to bet on them. Uh, I like them. There's always a trade deadline, folks. Don't forget, even Tampa, they're allowed to make a move. They can finagle a guy in salary and everything else. So it feels like Colorado. Not that I don't like Tampa, but that would be flipping the coin the 11th time in theory. I'm going to bet on McKinnon and Darcy Kemper and say, you know what? And since you don't like Vegas that much, maybe their competition won't be. <laughs> I, was, I thought Colorado looked good against Vegas until the 18-wheeler, B.J. McKay and his friend Bear, the 18-wheeler fell off the cliff in the mountain, and Vegas ended up winning the series. Well, I mean, they didn't have Eric Johnson. They didn't have Nazem Kadri. You know, you lose two significant players like that in the way that uh, 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 Vegas was was playing and where they could be potentially negated. You know, that, that hurt Colorado. So, uh, like, listen. Picking Colorado, picking Florida, picking uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. You know, there's there's no way you can go again. Here's what I'll say about I love the Colorado Avalanche. Okay, I love them. I love I love McKinnon and and Rantanen and Landeskog. I like them. I I, I think there's I, I I think Kepper's really good. Here's the thing I think that Joe Sakic has to do as the season unfolds: mm -hmm. identify critical areas of the team that give him a greater advantage. To take some of the burden off of McKinnon and Kadri and those guys when it gets hard. That's exactly what Julian Brisebois did in Tampa Bay. He was able to alleviate the burden and, and play in different ways that, that, that backed up your opponent. And I think that that's what I would like to see from the Colorado Avalanche. Now, they may have it there. They may not. But if they don't have it, Joe's got to go and address it, just like Julian Brisebois did. I like what you said about Kadri. I've got Kadri and... 80 in Winnipeg now, Pierre-Luc Dubois circled as the importance of those second-line centers, what they do for Shifley and McKinnon, and what they need to do in years that they were not special. And I think they can be special players. It's so exciting. It's so fun. Craig, take us home, my friend. Take us home. Well, it's the Cool Button Uncensored Hockey Podcast. And it's Monday, Thanksgiving in Canada, Columbus Day in the United States. I'm Craig Button. You just heard Steve Coolius. He never talks about nothing. Until Thursday, have a good few days. See you.